page 1174, if you are using uh, the Bible provided by the church. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul reminds the church members at Ephesus, those who have come to have and experience every spiritual blessing in Christ. He now takes them back in chapter 2 to what they were before they came to know Christ as their Saviour. And then leads them into a further understanding of what they are now in Christ. So let's read from chapter 2 and verse 1, page 1174. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed in the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the earth. The Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, in order that, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us, in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. this morning are Christians. You know God's renewing work of salvation in your life. Where he has come to you and he has changed you, brought you out of your sin, forgiven it and brought you into a living personal relationship with himself in Christ. But what was your life like before you became a Christian? Well, Paul answers that question in these verses. For others of you in church this morning, 
you are not yet a Christian. What is your life like if you are not yet a Christian? How does God see you? What does he want you to understand about yourself and your condition before him? There are four words in these opening three verses that sum up the life of the person before becoming a Christian. Sum up my life before I became a Christian. And they sum up the life of the person who is not yet a Christian. (coughs) The first word is dead. Dead. Verse 1, Paul writes, As for you, you were dead. Literally it is, you being dead. And the you there is in the plural. He's not referring to some members of the church. He's remember, he is referring to every last individual. All of them. Being dead. Now they weren't physically dead. They were going about their daily lives. Before they became Christians. They were many of them no doubt married. Had children. Followed a, a profession We're working as slaves. He's not talking about being physically dead. But he's talking here about being spiritually dead. In that they did not have a living personal relationship with God. Before I became a Christian. Before you became a Christian. Or if this morning you're not yet a Christian. Then you are dead. You don't listen to God in the Bible. You don't talk to him in prayer. You don't acknowledge him as the source of every blessing. You don't use your time, your money, your life to serve him. Before we become Christians, we are dead. But what is it that makes us dead to God? Paul continues, being dead in trespasses and sins. Two words he uses there. And these words uh, indicate the cause, the root of our deadness. Our transgressions and our sins. Now transgression is a very simple word for us to understand. It's like the word trespassing. Public buildings, the school next door will have a sign in its grounds. No trespassing. Don't break (coughs) through these boundaries. And you see, God in the Ten Commandments gave man in the beginning boundaries within which to live. And he said, no trespassing, no transgressing. Don't break outside of these boundaries and all will be well 
you will know my blessing. But what did man do? What did Adam do? What did Eve do? What did we do in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? We broke through the boundaries. We transgressed. And so we became dead in transgressions, in trespasses. And as unbelievers, as non-Christians, it is the mark that we continually break through the commandments of God. But then the word sins has a slightly different emphasis. Now the picture is of a marksman aiming for a target. Or think of the darts player that you sometimes see in the television, in the competition, aiming for the bull's eye and missing the darts board altogether. Knowing what the standard is, knowing what they're aiming for, but missing. That's sin. And you see in the Bible, we have, and in our hearts, we know that we are to love God with all our being. But what do we do? We sin. We miss the mark. And we're wide off the mark. And so, before I became a Christian, and if this morning you're not a Christian, you are dead in trespasses or transgressions and sins. The second word here is the word disobedient. Paul writes verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Before I became a Christian. And if you're not a Christian. This morning. You are disobedient. In what sense? Well in this sense. God made me. God made you. Yet what, do, what are we told here by Paul? We do what we like. We do what we want. We do what others around us do. Paul's described it as the ways of the world. And then we do what the devil wants. He is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work, Paul says. And so he works disobedience in and through us when we're not Christians. We should think of ourselves as non-Christians. When we're not Christians, we should think of ourselves like puppets. You've all been to a puppet show or you've seen one on television. And this little uh, fella, he does all kinds of things. And we know that he does all kinds of movements and walks along the stage and jumps up and down because of the strings that are going from each of his limbs and that are being controlled by someone behind the scenes. And you see, you and I, and our fellow men, when we're not Christians, we are puppets, and the devil is the one who pulls the strings in our lives. So we're dead in sin, 
We're disobedient because of sin. But then look at the third word here. The word is dominated now. Dominated. Verse 3, Paul writes, All of us at one time gratifying the cravings, running after the cravings of our sinful nature and following in the way of its desires. You see, in my unconverted state, I was. And if you're not a Christian, you are dominated by sin. Sin holds sway. Sin has control. It has a grip on your life that no matter how hard you try, no matter how many resolutions you make, you cannot break its sinful attitudes and words and actions. Because we're in our unconverted state, dominated. But then the fourth word that describes a person before they become a Christian is the word doomed. Doomed. Someone might say, listening to this message this morning, does it matter at the end of the day that a person is dead in sin, disobedient because of sin, dominated by sin? Some people would be so bold as to say, so what? Big deal. Who's bothered? Well, the fact is, if they're not bothered, God is. Because look at what Paul says at the end of verse 3. Here's how God sees us when we're dead in sin, disobedient uh, through sin and dominated by sin. We are by nature or by our sin objects of wrath. Sin may be a matter of indifference in our society today. But it's not a matter of indifference to God. He doesn't shrug his shoulders and say, Well, it's too bad that man went astray. It's too bad that things didn't work out as I had purposed for man. No sin calls forth God's wrath. That is, his holy, settled displeasure rests on not the sin, but the sinner. And this springs and just judgment from God. And ultimately, if it's not, if the problem of sin is not resolved, then it takes a person to hell. Where they're cut off from God. And where they experience from all God's, sorry, cut off from all God's goodness. And they experience only God's wrath and judgment forever and ever and ever. This is God's description of these people before they became. Christians. 
He reminds them of what they were. And you and I who are Christians in church this morning, we must never ever forget what we were. We must never forget what we were before God saved us. Remembering what we were will keep us humble. It will make sure that we're not thinking that we're better than others. It will keep us from the attitude of the little Jack Horner sitting in his corner saying, What a good boy or girl am I. Remembering what we were will also make us eternally grateful to God for the transformation he has wrought in our lives in Christ. And every day we will rise up and bless God for Christ our Saviour and salvation in him. But it will also do something else. It will make us compassionate Towards sinners around us, in our family, among our friends, and in our community. Because we will see them as God sees them. And we will want them to be rescued and delivered from being objects of his wrath. And to become trophies of his grace. And so we will pray and we will witness to the non-Christian. What Paul writes is also so relevant to you who are not yet Christians. Your family, your friends may consider you a good person. The media will tell you that you are basically a good person. Children and young people in school today, you will be told that you are basically good. And you may even describe yourself as good. After all, you haven't murdered. You haven't mugged an elderly person. You haven't abused children. You haven't robbed a bank. And you might add many, many more things that you haven't done. And you might say, but I am good. And God says to you, if you're thinking that way this morning, He says, don't compare yourself to others around you. Compare yourself to my word. Listen not to what the world says. Listen not to what the devil says. Listen not to what others say. Listen to what I say. And here's my verdict on your life. Being dead in sin. Disobedient because of sin. Dominated by sin and doomed at this moment because of your sin. That's the dark, dark picture that God paints in verses 1 to 3 of the person who is not a Christian. Or of the person of you and me who are Christians now. But before we became Christians. And there is not a ray of light in us of ourselves. There is no glimmer of hope. 
No spark that will suddenly ignite and bring us to God. So is there any hope? Well, not in man. But there is hope with God. And that's why in verse 4, Paul goes on and he begins verse 4 with two words. The NIV doesn't hold them together and it's a pity it doesn't. It's the words, but God. But God. This picture of man is so hopeless and so dark and so dismal. But now Paul is going to introduce light and hope and uh, deliverance into this situation. And it all centers around God. But God, those two words begin to transform the whole situation. And what follows in verses 4 to 10 is a description of what we become when God breaks into our lives in Christ. Look at verse 4. Paul writes, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, then go through to verse 8, It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, is the gift of God, not by works that you cannot boast. But God, because of his mercy, because of his love, because of his grace, he has done something to change this dark, dark picture that is you and me by nature. Before I became a Christian. But now secondly, after I became a Christian. We're looking now at what it is that God has done. In his grace, in his love and in his mercy. And again there are four words that sum up the life of the person who is now a Christian. The first word is enlivened. Enlivened. Verse 4. But God, and then go immediately to verse 5, made us alive with Christ. You see, being dead, that's what we were in our sin. God had to make us alive in Christ and with Christ. And salvation is God creating spiritual life inside you and inside me. It's God bringing you and me into a relationship with himself so that we no longer know about him. But now we know him face to face. We know him as Father. We know him as gracious. We know him as loving. We know him as merciful. We know him as one who forgives our sins. As one who has brought us into his family. As one with whom we have peace. And heaven, not hell, is where he takes us when we die. 
enlivened, made alive. Now how can God do this? Notice the words with Christ and in Christ. God is able to show and God manifests his love and grace and mercy because of Christ. And Christ is the sinless son of God. He came down to earth and lived the human life that we know as Jesus of Nazareth. And he became the substitute. He took the place of the dead sinner. He took the judgment of the dead sinner. He went to the cross. And there on the cross he was deemed a sinner. There on the cross he took the wrath of God. There on the cross he endured hell to save his people. And you see it is because of what Jesus the Christ did. That God is able to make the dead sinner alive. And he sees Jesus as the substitute. The one who took our place and punishment. Religion won't make us alive to God. The church can't make us alive to God. I can't make you alive to God. The sacraments can't make you alive to God. Only Christ can make you alive to God. So enlivened. That's the first word. The second word is exalted. Exalted. Look at verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ. He's not only saved us in Christ. He's raised us up with Christ. And Paul here is taking us back to the earthly life of Jesus. After Jesus died on the cross for sinners... He was buried in the tomb of Joseph. But what happened? Well, on the third day, God raised Jesus up from the grave. And where did Jesus go after he rose from the grave? He entered heaven. He went to heaven Immediately, he was exalted as the great victor. And yes, over the next 40 days, he appeared from heaven to his disciples and others at various times. But then he entered heaven at the end of 40 days, not to appear, not to come from there again until the world ends. As we know it. Exalted. And for the past 2,000 years. Christ is exalted in heaven. He is honoured. By the angels. And by the souls of believers that are already in heaven. Now what is so astonishing about this statement is this, 
Every person whom God saves in Christ is exalted with Christ. So salvation is about much, much more than the mere forgiveness of my sins. Being a Christian is more than knowing forgiveness. It is about being exalted with Christ into heaven. And Paul is saying here that this morning, you who are Christians, you are already exalted in heaven. Now that's an astounding um, thought. And it's full of comfort and encouragement to believers. Because it doesn't matter what happens to you on earth. It doesn't matter what trouble you're in today or what trouble comes to you tomorrow or what illness you contract in the future, what suffering you experience. You are secure in Christ Heaven is already yours in Christ. Where is Christ today? He is in heaven. Where are you today? Yes, you're here in Carrickfergus. But in reality, you are in heaven already with Christ. God raises us up with Christ. But it doesn't end there. We're enlivened. We're exalted. But look now at verse um, 6 where we have a third word um, or that I want us to note. Enthroned. Enthroned. Verse 6. And seated us together with him with Christ in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, all of this is ours in Christ, and everything we have um, with Christ is through being in Him. Now, again, Paul is going back here to the life of Jesus after Jesus was exalted to heaven, what did he do? What's his role today? Well, his role today is king. He is king of the nations. He governs every inch of this earth. And he is ruling over every person on this earth. And his purpose as king is to gather the people for whom he died at Calvary to himself. And he's gathering them not just from the Jews now, but he's gathering them from all nations. And so he's enthroned in heaven. And no one or nothing 
can frustrate his work as king. He is a king that cannot be resisted. He is a king that cannot be defeated. He's a king that cannot be robbed of his kingdom. But notice again the astonishing application that Paul makes of this truth to his readers. It's not just that Christ is enthroned in heaven. Paul says, and seated us together with him in the heavenly places. You who believe this morning, you who are saved this morning, you are enthroned with Christ. That means you are kings, kings now with Christ and in Christ. Now that hasn't reached its Complete fulfilment yet. But I want us to realise that Christ's kingly work and rule is already within us. And I want you to grasp you are a king now. And you are to act and to live as a king now. In your own life. You're to act as a king over this body. In which you live as a Christian. As a king now you're able to conquer sin. That still arises from the old nature. As a king now you're able to resist the devil. As a king now, you're able to overcome the temptations that the world puts before you. And Paul is saying to these Christians, and he's saying to you and me who are Christians this morning, live as kings. Live as kings. Don't allow the evil that is within you to rule. Rule over it. Don't allow the evil one to rule over you. Rule over him. Don't allow the evil world around you to rule your life. You rule over it. So we're enlivened in Christ. Made alive that our sins are forgiven. We're exalted with Christ. That we're already in heaven and heaven's secure for us. We're enthroned with Christ. So that we are kings with him. And we're to live as kings now. But then the fourth word is enlisted. Enlisted. During the world wars, men enlisted in the army. And they went to the fields of Europe For king and country. And in verse 10 Paul writes. Of those whom God saves in Christ. And here's what he says. 
For we are his workmanship. He's made us, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You whom God has saved in Christ are his workmanship. God has put you together, the person that you are, the gifts you have, the personality you have. He has prepared you through life. He's trained you through life's experiences and he has enrolled you in his service. You are enlisted in the service of Christ this morning. It's not optional. It's not just Joel deciding to go into the ministry or feeling the call into the ministry or myself as a minister that are enlisted to serve. Every last person whom God saves in Christ is enrolled to serve, enlisted to serve. You haven't been saved to live as you choose. Or to live like the world around you. Or to live as the devil wants you to live. Pursuing wealth and fame and position and success. No, you and I, saved in Christ, are saved to serve God. To be about his work in the world. And our lifelong question as Christians should be, and we should ask this at key points in our lives. Young people, you should ask this when you're in your teens and you're thinking about what to do with your life. And we should ask it again when we're in middle age. And we should ask it again when we are coming into older years. And here's the question. King Jesus, what do you want me to do for your cause? What do you want me to do for your cause? It's not, what do I want to do for my cause? Or for my promotion? Or my advancement? Or for my comfort? But King Jesus, what do you want me to do for your cause? Or to ask it another way. What good works has my Father in Heaven specifically appointed me to do. Why am I in the ministry this morning? Because that is the good work that God appointed me to do. And Paul tells us here that it was appointed in advance. And God has appointed every one of you who are believers to good works. Way before you ever were born. He has works for you to do. As his child and as children. 
And it is a sad fact today in the Christian church that though every Christian is saved to serve, too many Christians waste their lives. And they squander their talents and their time and their energy living like the world. Living like the world. How far can I get on in my career? How new a car will I drive? How big a house will I have? And with no thought of the business of the king. Making no distinct contribution to the cause of the king. Whereas Christ has saved you. He's put you into this church. And he's placed you in this town. And the question is. Do you know what he wants you to do for him? And are you doing it? Diligently. Are you doing it prayerfully? Are you doing it continually? Before I became a Christian, before you became a Christian, if you are a Christian this morning, you were dead. You were disobedient. You were dominated. You were doomed. All because of your sin. But when I became a Christian, when you became a Christian, you were enlivened, exalted, enthroned, enlisted in the service of Almighty God. What a glorious salvation we have in Christ. And this morning, if you're not a Christian, Realize how those four D's describe you. But then realize also what God is offering you in Christ. He calls you to repent of your sin. He calls you to believe in Christ as your substitute saviour. And you will be enlivened in Christ. And exalted with Christ. And seated with Christ. And enlisted with Christ. To do good works. For God. For the rest of your life. Before. And after. I became. A Christian. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, our hearts marvel within us when we think of your great love and grace and mercy displayed to despicable, sinful men and women, boys and girls such as us. We who love sin and to walk in the ways of sin, and who through our sin were dead and disobedient and dominated and doomed. You could have left us as we were, and you would have been just in doing that. 
But the God who is just is also the God who is gracious and abundant in mercy. And O God, we thank you that you showed great grace in sending forth the Christ to live the life that we cannot live and die the death that we deserve to die. That we sinners might be saved by grace. We might be enlivened. That we might be exalted with Christ. That we might be enthroned with Christ. That we might be enrolled with Christ. And engaged with him. In the service of his father. In good works in this world. Lord God, help us, who are Christians this morning, to live in the light of what you have made us. Keep us from the remaining sin that's within us. Keep us from the devil and the world around us, for all of these forces would want us just to be like others. But you want us to be different. Make us different for your glory. And for those among us this morning who are not Christians, we pray that today, in Christ, you might make them alive, bringing them out of their sin, bringing them to repent, bringing them to believe, bringing them to be all that sinners saved by grace are made in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.